Okay, we're recording now. It's January 31st, 2016. Uh, just picking up. It's been a few months over the holidays. Um, so today, um, I had some topics that I don't think I've covered too much in the previous okay. interviews. Okay. Um, one of which was kind of the role uh, church and, and faith kind of played in your life and then how you uh, kind of carried that over into our lives when we were growing up. Well, the biggest thing was that my dad sent us all to Catholic school, elementary all the way through high school. I mean, I didn't have that choice because, number one, we didn't have the money. But back in that time, you know, we could go to our parish elementary school as long as my dad made his contributions to the church, which he would have done anyway. Right. They didn't charge tuition, nor did they in high school. I still don't know how they did it. I don't. I still don't. You know, I never was aware of that, but I know that my dad wasn't paying tuition, so they apparently got it from the uh, the parishes that fed into that high school. And of course, back in the day when we were in school, the nuns who taught us were not paid a salary. They were. They lived and in. They the, were given. You know, they had a convent that they lived in. Yeah. And and I assume that the order that they were in, Franciscans probably paid, you know, their house payment if they had one. I, I don't obviously know any about the thing about that, but they, you know, had to contribute to their, you know, groceries and things like that. But they were not paid a salary because, you know, when you become a nun, you you take a, a vow of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it was just a way of life. They they didn't spend money. I mean, I'm sure they had enough for their personal needs, you know, but nothing beyond that. So, you know, as far as school goes, that's what my schooling was all the way through college. In fact, that's why I went to the college I went to is because my dad wanted me to continue my Catholic education. Hmm. And John, my older brother, went to University of Dayton, which is a Catholic school. Yeah. You know, so, and Judy went to Edgecliff, where I did. And then Joe and Jerry didn't finish college. I mean, I think they took some classes, but they didn't finish. Yeah. And Jeff did finish. He went to uh, Ohio University. Okay. Got a degree, so. And, I mean, while growing up, I mean, when did, did you, um, I mean, you didn't really know anything else to believe, but what, I guess why at one point in your life did you really maybe take your faith a little more seriously, or has that always kind of been part of? Well, yeah, I mean it's it's hard to explain, but it's not like I chose that religion. Yeah. It's because my fam my dad was a Catholic, and my mom became a Catholic after my brother Jimmy died. Hmm. Did you know about that? Yeah, know. we talked about that. Yeah, I couldn't remember how far we got in here. So for me, it's not like I ever expected to not be Catholic. But when I met Dad, you know, he didn't go to church all along. But when I started taking you guys to church, I said to him one time that I wished that he would go with us. And so he did. But the week that you and Steve left for school, he said he wasn't going to go to church anymore. And that was the end of it. And he, he, you know.
when he was growing up, Grandma and Grandpa went to Methodist church, and they went to Sunday school, and you know. But it's different with that kind of a religion. So, did you guys go to when uh, when you were in Ohio with uh, when Dave was born? Were you going to church then as well regularly? Oh, was I? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, because when I was in college, I mean, we had mass. I think there wasn't the daily mass, but every weekday after we ate dinner in the cafeteria as a group, the the girls in the dorm, we had to go into the church. We didn't have to, but that was the routine. We all went into the chapel and said a rosary. One of the girls would lead it each time, you know, where you say the first half of the Hail Mary and then the rest of the group answers. But, I mean, that's just what I grew up with. Yeah. You know, I mean, I we didn't say the rosary at home that often. But you go to a Catholic school that's taught by nuns, that's the way it is. And I don't have any regrets about that. I got a good education. Mm-hmm. The other reason I went to Edgecliff was that I got a partial scholarship, if you can believe this. When I started into college, I got a $600 a year scholarship, and that paid, I don't remember now, it was probably half of my tuition. Yeah. Well, that's a help. Huh? That's a pretty big help. Well, it's a big help, but, I mean, can you believe that that's what tuition was in those days? (laughs) You know, it's just hard to imagine. But everything else was inexpensive, too. Yeah. We didn't have to pay the prices that we pay today, thank goodness. And was, but anyway. Was St. Thomas More the first church in, in since you were in, been in Littleton that we started going to regularly? No. Um, let's see. We moved. When we lived over on um, what was it, Zang Street, mm-hmm. before you guys were born, uh, when we first moved here, the closest church to us was um, the one that Karen Johnson goes to. I've already forgotten the name of it. Anyway, it was the one up there near where uh, Karen, and that's where I met her. And we had that Mother's Morning Out. You probably, yeah, you weren't born then, but I had Dave and Mike, and we picked, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, and a bunch of the moms. Met at the church, they had like a a gym, and the kids played, and the moms visited. We'd leave a couple of the moms there to watch the kids. It wasn't a huge group, but it was a morning out for us, you know, like if we had errands to run and things like that. And that's how I first met Karen and a bunch of those gals in that bridge group, Mm -hmm. was at that mother's morning out. But then when we moved over here, right, you guys were still. You were born in May, and we moved in December into this house. Um, I, I didn't have a church, so I started going to St. Thomas More, which was the closest church that I knew of other than the St. Mary's in Littleton, and I think I went there a couple of times, and it was real traditional, so I didn't stay there. And then somebody at St. Thomas More, it was that Kathy, Oh, you'd remember her name if I said it. They had kids Dave's age. Um, I can't think of it. But anyway, she told me that there was a new parish starting, and it was going to meet over, and it met in an elementary school down in Highlands Ranch in the gym. 
until they finally could build a church. And that's how I got into Pox Christi. And what what did what stuck about Pox Christi like once you started going? Because I remember, I mean, I remember going to the elementary school. You what? I remember when you were going to the elementary school, but I guess what about that parish kind of attracted you to it, or why did we? Well, for yeah. one thing, it was closer. It was yeah. over in a school off of Broadway, uh, which one of the uh, Highlands Ranch elementary schools. I can't even tell you now the name of it. But we met in their gym, and we didn't even have a priest. We had, um, oh, he was a deacon. He, I think he'd been ordained to that level. But he wasn't a religious, I mean, he was not a priest. He was a layperson. But he led that parish because they didn't have enough priests until, I don't know, whatever year it was, um, after we moved into the church, then the bishop was able to provide a priest and so that guy left the parish i don't know where he is today i don't know anything about him today but but the primary reason i started going to highlands ranch was because it was much closer than to drive clear over to st thomas more yeah but and you've remained active in the church since i moved away you're well i i wouldn't say i'm active I mean, I was more active when I, you guys were in religious ed because I taught classes at home and I helped out when they finally moved in. They had the classes in that one school over there in Highlands Ranch. But I, other than that, I've not, I mean, I was in a choir. That was really my yeah. contribution because I like to sing. <laughs> but other than that, and I don't, I'm not in the choir anymore. For one thing, I don't like to go driving in the dark to choir practice every Wednesday. Right. So, but no, I still go to church. I mean, I. But Dad, he has no interest in going. Is that something you wish all your sons would do? Well, uh, of course I do, but I understand why you don't. Although Nikki was raised as a Catholic, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you yeah. go to church ever? Uh, not regularly. But do you do sometimes? I mean, sometimes, yeah. I don't. We, I mean, we. I mean, for one, we've moved around so much in the, since we've been together. Almost every two years, we've moved. So yeah. we fi- finally, until we got this place, that we really have a yeah. an area, I guess we can. Well, and it might, you know, if you have kids, it might change the way you feel about it. Steve's the one that I, I know why he didn't end up going. He, he started going to a Catholic church when he first moved to back to California after he was in Germany. But the church that was in his area was a real old parish, and there weren't any young people there, which I can understand why they didn't appeal to him. Yeah. But then the church that he found was that non-denominational one that I think he told me a couple of months ago that there were 10,000 people in that church yeah. and it was a non-denominational Christian church and I don't have a problem with that kind of a church but I think if Steve had had a Catholic church where he lived that had a youth group you know or at least some people his age I think he would still be going to a Catholic church but yeah now, we we found a couple around here and they're just they're all these new age yeah I know it's but, you know, you you have to do, you have to go with the flow. I just, 
don't want to, and I don't think he has turned his back on Catholicism necessarily, but his fiance or some soon-to-be fiancés, she goes to a, what did he tell me? You would know the name of the, of the um, it's a Protestant church, obviously, yeah. but it's, um, uh, my brain is not in gear tonight. But you can ask him sometime. But that's the church that I think he usually goes to church with her on Sunday at that oh, okay. church. And he likes it okay. I mean, it's, you know, it's a Protestant church. It's not a Catholic church, but it's not, you know, it's not a sinful church or anything. Yeah, it's just, right. right. So, and Mike never goes to church that I know of. I've asked him, and he said he doesn't. So I don't know when he stopped going, but. He doesn't go now, so. And that kind of bothers me, but there's nothing I can do about it. You know, uh, well, no, this is Pete. He's, we're doing his thing tonight. Steve had just called that downstairs. Okay. And he thought I, that I was talking to him now, but <laughs> I'm not. Well, but, you know, it's something I can't do anything about, and I'm not going to lose sleep over it. Yeah. You know. But that's the, the way it is. You're adults, well, and you can make your own decisions. Okay. Well, it's um, going to shift the other area that I don't think we talked too much about, and this kind of gets more into uh, your life after we uh, went on to college, Steve and I. And we talked about a little bit about you joining Amera, you know, kind of well, basically – and I know you joined in like '88, but what I wanted to talk through now is basically, you know, your your time kind of basically was starting to work again when we were in school, and then when you kind of moved more full time after we went off to high school. So right. kind of well, kind of kind of start with Amera and how you found out about it and what kind of well, you into I it. found out about Amera uh, when you guys were playing soccer, I, not you necessarily, but I think it was probably. Dave and Mike, because Dave was as old as Donna Sturbano's oldest son. Kenny or Danny? Uh, Kenny was, no, I can't remember their kids' names right now. But the older one, Dave was on his team, and then I think Mike played for a while, and Kenny, Kenny was the second one. Yeah. But Mike didn't stay with it. But that's how Donna and I become acquainted, and that's how I found out about Amera. Because she was selling it when I met her, and she started talking to me about it, and that's how I got into it. But I didn't really, uh, you know, make a business of it until after you and Steve were in first grade. Because I didn't want to be going out at night and doing stuff, you know, when you needed me at home. But I developed it into a pretty good business all the way through until um, the woman who owned it sold it, you know, and it was different. And the man who was in charge of it after she sold it took away our commissions that we used to make on the people that worked under us, like Donna. I was under her, and she made money on my orders. That's how that, that kind of a business works. But when this guy came in, he and his mother, his mother was the person who actually purchased it, I think, and he was a 
the manager of it. And um, he had told us a long time ago that he would own that business until his mother passed away. And, I mean, that was way back. And that's why last year he closed it up. If she had finally passed away? Nobody said that, but that's what I have to believe because that's what he told us. Huh. And she was pretty old. I mean, she when when they bought the business, which was back in oh, let me think about that a minute. Probably fifteen years ago. Okay. And she was, you know, a retired nurse, so she was at least sixty-five. So I'm assuming that she passed away, but he didn't tell anybody that. He just pulled the rug out from under us and said it. That, company was closing and he gave us a chance to buy some of the products the cuticle mousse which was always number one seller and so hmm. that was the end of that <laughs> I mean but for the longest time what what were you what was your position I guess what you were just a well sales I became, associate? You, if you brought other people into the company if you sponsored other people into it and helped them get their businesses started then when they ordered product, you made a commission on it. And that was how I, you know, could expand my income. I still worked my business, though. I still had, I don't know if you remember, women came to our house yeah. here. Yep, yeah, yeah. And I had the clinics, you know. Yeah. And I, you know, helped my people that I had sponsored into the company get started and, you know, answered their questions and gave them ideas for expanding their business like I was supposed to do. And then there was one of the top coordinators. She was one of the first ones. She decided that she was just going to order a minimum $100 a month and let her unit do all the work. Well, that isn't the way it's meant to be. So this Jerry Ivy, who was the son of the woman who bought the company, said that he was going to do away with our commissions. Hmm. So we had, we didn't have that income, number one. We didn't have meetings, which was one of the things that we would do to help our people under us, you know. So, I mean, the whole business fell apart, and I thought to myself that this was one of the stupidest things that a businessman could have done because we had no motivation from from our perspective to bring other people into the company. Yeah, just killed and, growth. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> not, I mean, those people could go ahead and sell if they wanted to, and a few of them did. But I didn't make any money on it, and none of the people above me made money on what I made, so we didn't have meetings. We weren't going to pay money to rent a place for a meeting if there was nothing in it for us. So he he, he basically killed the company. But I kept my customers, and I took care of them, you know. So I'm still, you know, I don't make money I used to, but I still sell product. Hmm. So, but when it's gone, it's gone. There's nothing else we can order. The, the business is closed. What well, was kind of the height of of your involvement? I guess. In America? Yeah. Oh, probably the year that I went to convention and I was number one in sales for the company. I mean, that was as far as my career with it. Yeah. 
because I, I produced a lot of sales, more than uh, – other people got that award later, but they didn't sell as much as I did. They had bigger units. In other words, they had more people working under them. What uh, what year was that? What year did I get that award? Yeah. Oh, gosh. It was pretty early. I joined the company in 88. It was probably 92 or 93. Okay. Somewhere around there, early nineties. And at that time, how big? When you were number one, like how many people were in the company, or how many people, I guess, were you competing against? Get that? Oh, there were probably maybe thirty. It was a small company. I mean, it was never like Mary Kay or anything like that. It didn't get that yeah. far. It was probably about thirty uh, coordinators. Yeah. All of them didn't work it as hard as I did, but. And then the next year I didn't win it, but I think I won second some year after that. I always worked my business. I mean, that's the way my work ethic is. If you if you got a business, you work it. I mean, most of the people got in it, and they didn't work it. You remember women coming to the house, don't you? Yeah, I remember you had clinics on Thursdays, and I remember yeah. you going, going to conventions once a year. Yeah, yeah. And I, the other thing I did, I don't know if you remember, I used to teach classes over at Arapahoe Community College and different senior centers. I had that little presentation called, um, oh, I, I gave out a little questionnaire. And it was a true and false question about good nail care. And I, I would have the attendees would answer the questions, yes or no, true or false, and then I would go through them. And that's how I taught them a lot about nail care. So then they got interested in the product because I would bring out the nail file and talk about the dentist that started the company. I wasn't advertising, but I was just telling where the file came from, and they let me do it. And then at the end, I gave them a little questionnaire about themselves and how, what they thought of the class. And at the bottom of that little form that I handed out, it said, are you interested in coming to a manicure clinic and learning how to use our products and if they said yes then I'd go home and call them and that's how I got all those people to come to my house so that was kind of your recruiting tool well it wasn't really a recruiting tool it was a sales tool because I got tired the the way the company was set up if you met somebody that was interested in the product you would ask that person if they would like to have a manicure clinic for their friends at their home well, then I had to travel all over town, and I'd get there half the time, and they would tell me, oh, yeah, I've got six women that are coming, which was, you know, about what we wanted. And I'd get there, and there'd be one or two. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew that it's hard to get people to commit to that. But when they signed up and I called them after I got that little questionnaire, they were interested because they already knew enough about the product to want to see it. Yeah. And then I would send them a little map to my house, set it up on a certain day, and went in the dining room and did clinics. And I would probably still be doing it if he hadn't closed the company. You know, I mean. And how many customers did you end up getting over all, you oh, know, that probably, 20-some years? I probably had, I can't say they were all strong, you know, buyers, but at yeah. least 500 or more. But, you know, some of them would buy products and never use them, and I'd never hear from them again. 
Right. I, I still hear about people from people. I had a woman call me the other day, and she said she needed two jars of moose and two buffers. And so I said I would send them to her. She lives here in Littleton, but I think she's gotten older, and she didn't want to drive over and pick them up, which was fine. <clears throat> anyway, I forgot to tell her that, you know, the company's not active anymore, and she doesn't buy a lot of product anyway, but I called her back because I thought she told me on the phone that she had hadn't ordered for a whole year, and I thought if she orders a year from now, I mean, not <laughs> There won't be anything there. So I called her and I said, I just want to tell you what's happened, and I'm not trying to pressure you, but if you want more moose beyond this year, order it before the year is out because, you know, I have people calling me up and ordering just 10 jars of moose. That 20 people could wipe me out. I only bought 200 jars when the company closed because I don't have the customer base that I used to have. Yeah. But people are buying it like that, so I'll take it. So when you when when we went to went off to college, mm-hmm. I know you you went through a couple odd jobs. Do you remember any of those mm-hmm. before you got to Sylvan? There was something with the credit card, something where you, I remember you had to drive to Lyman. Oh yes, it was. Um, let me think about where I met that guy. Um, I can't remember where I met him. But there was somebody else that I knew, and we started working. He had a company that visited businesses that didn't currently, if you can believe this, take credit cards in yeah. the business, and we would sell them his. You know, he would be the the parent company for that. But he sent us on these calls that he just assured us they were so interested. And half the time we'd get to the business, and they wouldn't even remember that we were coming. They had no interest at all. (laughs) I I mean, it was that bad. And he was a nice guy, but, you know, I said to him, and I was driving down to the Springs and driving up to Fort Collins, and, you know, I wasn't as old as I am now, but I did not like driving on the highway. So I finally told him, I said, you know, I'm not making any money. I'm using up all my gas and my time, but I said, I'm, you know, you're not giving giving me solid leads. These people don't even remember that I was coming. <laughs> so I, I didn't even do that more than a few months. I don't even remember how long. Yeah. It wasn't long. But I don't remember any other job that I had. Are you thinking of something I forgot? No, that was the only one I ever. Yeah. I thought there was some something else, but but then you found Sylvan. Yeah, and I, I found that through Donna Sherbino, And the way I met her was uh, her oldest son played on a basketball team that Dave was playing on at the time. Mm. And we saw each other at a game and started talking. And I think she had on like an Amara sweatshirt or something. And I asked her what it was, and we started talking. And so she was the person that sponsored me. And, and she, sorry, she also let you know about Sylvan? Yeah, yeah, she she told me about it because I asked her. She had her sweatshirt on. I said, what's Sylvan? And she told me, you know, what it was. And and she said, would you be interested in, you know, having me come and show you the products? Of course, she was trying to get me to do a clinic. So I invited Chris Duke, came over, and I don't know, there might have been a couple of other people. But I had never had anything like that, like a Mary Kay party or anything. But I liked yeah. the product. And then 
you know, she started talking about it, and I decided that I would try to sell it and started going to meetings with her. She was a coordinator at that time. She had several people under her. But Yeah, I was asking you about uh, after the credit card processing job when you joined Sylvan. Yeah, I don't think there was that much time in between there. Are you thinking of some other job that you thought I had? No, I was just trying to see how you heard about Sylvan the first oh, time. Oh, yeah, I basically I ran into Donna, like I said, at a basketball game. About no, that was for a mayor, but about Sylvan, the uh, tutoring. Oh, um, that was an ad in the paper. I started looking for. I wanted a job to have when you and Steve went off to school. I didn't want to work out of the house until then. And yeah. uh, so I looked for two or three years. Every Sunday, I read the the one ads or the, you know, employment ads. And this little ad was in there one Sunday. And what caught my eye was the, their office was in that building over there by South Glen. Yeah. So I answered the ad, went in for an interview, and they offered me the job because I had a teaching background and it was yeah. an educational-based business. And so... Uh, I started working for them, and we worked in that little building over there, and then we moved over to that big building in Highlands Ranch there. You can see it from the highway. But basically what we were selling was the, the Sylvan program. People would call up through their local center, and we would get their calls and tell them all about the product, you know, the program and how much it cost and how to get started. And, and uh, the rest is history. And then... The man that owned that company that I worked for sold the Sylvan con or he didn't sell it. He he just dropped the Sylvan contract. The, the centers just had to start taking their own calls again because he changed his business and he was only doing like colleges and people that would take like Pauline. That's how she started working for him, and she worked for a school that advertises on TV. I don't know if you get their ads out there. It's at Southern New Hampshire University. Yeah. You ever see their ads? Yeah. That's what Pauline worked for, and she was fabulous. And I recommended her, even though they they originally said that she had to have a college degree, but after they interviewed her, the only reason she doesn't have a college degree is because her parents couldn't afford to send her to college. But then the school that she worked for changed their policy. And then they had to let her go. They wouldn't let her stay because she didn't have a degree. So. Did you like what you uh, what you did for Sylvan? Yeah, I loved it. I still do it. I'm still doing it. You know, I I I think you knew that, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do it at home. That's even better because it's snowing tonight. <laughs> I don't and, and, and what do you uh, what do you enjoy about it? I just like I like people. And I like helping people. And when people call and tell you that their child is failing six classes in high school, they need help. And I just feel like, you know, I have people tell me all the time, I'm so glad I called you. It's because I can convince people that our program is going to be effective and they're not going to have to worry about their child and their child's going to be able to get, you know, through high school and go on to college. I just like helping people. Do you hear? Do you ever hear back from any of your the people you refer? Um, not really, because they they don't know where I am. They 
they we're su- not supposed to tell them that we're in the center, but they assume that we're that they're the, calling the center the way. local center, yeah. Right. Now sometimes I'll say, is the Piedmont location closest to you? And they'll say, I don't know, it could be, you know, and they'll name another one. I'll say, oh, I work with that center too. Let me check. So they, you know, they don't care. But yeah. once in a while they'll say, will you be there when I bring him in for the testing? And I'll say, no, I work from a regional office is what we say. Right. I said, I'm not in the center, but, you know, you'll you'll like the people that are there. <laughs> I'm good on the phone with people. People can relate to me. I'm not I'm not a hard sell. You know, once in a while you get somebody that's real bitchy and you just want to hang up on them. But... <laughs> No, do you I'm have not. any do you have any idea in fifteen years how many kids you've probably helped? Oh gosh. Thousand? At least that many. If you talk about getting people scheduled for testing, it'd be more than that. But you don't see, I never know after somebody goes in and takes their child to be tested whether they enroll their child. They don't tell us that. Right. If I called and asked about each one, they probably would, but that's not my place to do that. So, yeah. And it doesn't make any difference. The idea is to sell the test. They have to sell their program to the parent. So that's how that happened. Okay. Right. Yep. Just reading back through my notes. Okay. Um, so kind of a high-level question. You know, okay. what lessons in your life have, that you have that you've learned that you'd like to pass on to your own kids and hopefully and then ultimately their their kids? Boy, Pete, you should have given me that question in advance. <laughs> That's hard <laughs> to just think of off the top of your head. We can uh, we can talk about that next time. I can email you that. Yeah, why don't you? Okay. I mean, it's a very good question. But to answer it on the spur of the moment, I'm not sure that I would give you, you know, okay. a very good answer. I'll come up with a couple a couple of those and send those to you in email. Yeah, do. That would help me. Okay. Yeah. What uh, else do you want to talk about, you know, eventually? I mean, are you... Yeah, so the only... I mean, I, I, I want to do those kind of... I don't know, they're more summary questions and, you know, mm-hmm. the high-level thoughts and stuff, but... You know, the only other area we really didn't cover were your siblings. You know, we we talked about them a little bit, but not necessarily kind of uh, what they do and what you know how they re- what their life was like. Um, each of them, and that's you know that's for me helpful because I don't know your family that well, that side of the family too well. That's true. You don't. You know, and you I don't know. Do, that? do you want me to do some of that now, or do you want me to do it? I think so. I mean, we have about. Another probably half hour or so. So okay. Well, um, I'll just just go down the go down the line. I'll go down the line. My (laughs) older brother John, and he's the one that lives now in Cincinnati. And uh, I don't know if you've ever met in his family. Have you? When you when we all went home that one summer. Did we go to Cincinnati, or did they come down to visit? I can't remember. I feel like they, we saw them. Because they have girls. Jennifer and Julie. Right. 
Yeah. And then they, they have a John who's named after my brother John, and he has kids now. And he's he, the one in Chicago. Uh, they were, but they moved back to Cincinnati. John and Rhonda. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think we saw your your brother John when we went to Cincinnati in '92 when we did that Kings Island trip. But I I mean I forgotten about that. But yeah, I'm sure we barely, did. Barely remember. Because but, they lived in Dayton for a while, but then they moved to Cincinnati and they've been there. Well, how much older is he than you? He is two years older. He was born in '43. My parents were married in '42. Then they had him in 43, then I was 45, Judy was 47. And where did he uh, go to college? He went to the University of Dayton, which is a Catholic college. He studied I what? Know, I don't know why he picked it, other than he wanted to go into business, and they were a pretty good business school. And then what did he do for work? Um, I, to be honest, I don't know what all he did because he's jumped around. But he ended up doing a lot of sales. I think we have the sales gene. You know, Grandpa Augustine was a steel company salesman. He traveled all over the area and sold steel to, you know, companies that whatever that they needed steel for. And then my brother, John, he was more of a, I can't tell you what he sold because it's been too many years ago, but he was more in the business end of selling. Uh, and business products, and he's, I think, at some point worked for National Cash Register, and got into the computer thing when they finally, you know, got into that. But he's retired now. And he has three kids. He has three kids. He has John, who was their oldest, and then their twins, Jennifer and Julie. And Julie, they're both married, and Julie. Uh, had, um, let me think about this. She has two kids. She has a boy and a girl, but the girl was a twin, and the twin died before she was born. So oh, she was stillborn. Yeah. So is that uh, Mitch? Mm-hmm. Mitch Julie's? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's into, uh, on Facebook, you can see he's into, he's a freshman now at Moeller. And he, and a uh, real big, real good athlete, real good quarterback, and he plays uh, basketball too. But he'll probably, he's at Moeller. Moeller, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know her kids are getting older, but I haven't been back there for so long and haven't seen him in such a and long time. That Mackenzie? Mackenzie. She just got accepted to Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. And does Jennifer have kids? Is Jennifer what? Have kids? I can't. Uh, Jeff- Jennifer has kids. Let me think about this. You asked me this on the spur of the moment, and I can't think. <laughs> yeah, she has a boy and a girl. And I can't think of their names for this life of me. Did you and uh, John get along? Well, we got along, but, you know, he was my big brother, and he liked to tease, but, I mean, it wasn't anything, (laughs) you know, dramatic or, but, no, he, he, we were fine. I mean, we, back in the day, that's, but my sister, Judy, was two years younger than me, and we always shared a bedroom, because we were the only girls. 
So you were the second oldest, or did you also older? I was older? the second oldest. And then who was Judy? Was and the Judy was two years younger than me. And then so she was forty-seven. She was born in forty-seven, and then in forty-eight, <clears throat> Grandma had my brother Jimmy. Right, and we talked about that. We did. Okay. Yeah. So you know about that. Yeah. So um, Judy, where did she go to school? Edgecliff, the same place I did. That's right. What she do? What she do for a degree? Uh, elementary education. And then she went back um, and taught somewhere there in Portsmouth, I think. Or did she stay in Cincinnati for a year? Boy, it's been a long time since I've thought about this stuff. I think she, yeah, she stayed in Cincinnati because she and I lived together. And then when she got married, she moved back to Columbus. Bill was in dental school. And she taught there until he became a dentist, and then they moved to Portsmouth, and she taught there. They have three kids, right? Mm-hmm. Andy, Billy, and... Joey. Joey. And Joey is a year older than you. Is Joey the artist? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he finally found, just recently, I'll tell you this just because I thought of it, um... He didn't. He left Columbus and came back home. He was just kind of piddling around with. He's an artist. I think you've seen some of his work. You, you would if you came here. But yeah. Anyway, he he liked doing that, and he's very good at it, and was selling pretty well. But he met a girl, and I don't know where he met her. Uh, and she uh, lived in Ironton, which is a little bit up the river. And she knew somebody that wanted to hire him. And I'm trying to remember now what the company is because um, I can't remember what Joey's degree is in. But anyway, whatever it is, it's in his field, and he loves it. I'll have hmm. to find out for you because I can't remember what it is. But he still does his artwork. Yeah, he's doing a he was doing a mural. I think yeah, it's for a Ford dealer, maybe. Oh yeah, he he has a lot of work there at home. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. But you know, in a small town, you don't have an artist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not a, it's not common. And then who's younger than Judy? The first youngest, well, Judy. The first youngest is Jimmy, the one who died. Mm-hmm. And he was a year younger than she was. I his birthday, I think, was in August, so it was probably a little. Let's see, he would have been in forty-eight. Yeah, he he was Jimmy was about two when he died. And I've told you about that, haven't I? Yes, you have. Okay. Because he he was his brain was damaged at birth. Right. So I didn't remember how far we had gotten because it's been so long since we talked. <laughs> I have notes here, but I just I didn't know how far in my notes I had gotten. And then after Jimmy. Uh, Let's see, Jerry was born, I think there were more years between there, but I have to think about that. I don't have any of this written down. But then uh, Joe was next after Jimmy, and then Jerry, 
and then Jeff was about five years later. He was the caboose. And Jeff was born in 59. So uh, what did uh, Joe do? Where did, where did Joe go to school? Well, he said he was going to go to Xavier, but he got down there, and, and I don't know if he flunked out or if he just quit, but he didn't like it, and he came back home and got a job and never went back to school. And Jerry didn't go to college either. I mean, he, I think he took classes maybe at the – there was a branch of Ohio University, but neither one of them were that interested in getting their education, which I think was a huge mistake. But What, what did Joe do? Joe became an elect. Oh, let's see, was he an electrician? Yes, he was an electrician. You know, he got his whatever you have to get to. Yeah, and he has he has one kid, doesn't he, Jimmy? Yeah, but Joe is no longer living. You know that, don't you? Yeah. Okay, but yes, Jimmy is his only offspring. And I think Judy still sees him. He's married and has a child or two, and he still lives there at home. And Judy, you know, sees him occasionally and talks to him. Where did uh, Jerry go to school? Or he didn't, you said? Um, He started, and I can't remember if he took some classes at Xavier, or he might have just done them there. There's a branch of Ohio University there in Portsmouth. I I honestly don't know, because it was very short. He didn't even go, they didn't even go for a whole semester, either Joe or Jerry. Yeah. What did Jerry do for a living? Um, boy, these are hard questions because he didn't, I don't, I honestly can't think of what he did. I'm going to have to ask Judy some of this because she's always been at home there. Um, let me think about that. I'll have to ask Judy. I'll make a note to myself. Okay. I mean, it wasn't like he went into a career. You know what I mean? He didn't. Yeah. He had jobs, but let me just write that down. Jerry's job. Because what happened was, you know, he didn't have a good job. Oh, yes, I do remember now. There was an there was an atomic energy plant of some kind, I don't know what they did, up the river, and he got a job there, just a factory job, but it paid well. And then he got into drinking too much and got caught on the job one day. He either, I don't know if he had a bottle with him or he smelled like he was drinking or whatever, but they fired him. And he could not find a job because of the economy back there. And then he finally found a job at a Kmart, if you can imagine that, stocking. He was making $10 an hour. And he did that until about, oh, I think it's probably been close to a year ago, there was a new Jeep dealership that was opening in Portsmouth. And they hired him as a salesman, and he is doing great. He's got the sales gene. (laughs) Have you ever thought about that? I mean, my dad was a salesperson. My older brother's a salesperson. I'm a salesperson. Yeah. And I do think there are people who are meant to do that, and Jerry is one of them. He's doing great. Good. Yeah, I mean, I always wondered where I got it. That kind of makes sense now. Yeah. And I, I don't honestly know if there's a gene for it, but... It's certainly in our family, something. I don't know 
Yeah, well, I mean, it was something else. But one of the only things I remember about Jerry is he got in a real bad accident. He got hit by like a dump truck or something. Do you remember that? Um, I don't remember it. Uh, the details of it. I mean, something like he fell asleep and dump truck hit his truck and he messed up his arm and. You're sure it was Jerry and not Joe? It, it, yeah. I, it could be. It's just been too many years. Judy is the one you should be interviewing. <laughs> well, because she li- you know, she's never lived away from there since she moved back, and they always lived there. So she was a lot closer to them. Even now, I try to call Jeff every once in a while, but he won't answer his phone. I mean, Jeff or Jerry? Huh? Jeff or Jerry? Jerry. No, Jeff. I'm sorry. Jeff is who I'm talking about with the calling. So. And about so did Jeff? Jeff didn't go to school either. Or he no, went to Jeff Ohio. Jeff went to school. He got a degree from Ohio University. Do you remember what the degree was? Accounting. And what has he done for work? Well, he's done a lot of things, but. Um, being an alcoholic is hard. But I don't know if anybody's told you this, but he is now living or staying with... Uh, yeah, Julie. Julie. No, not Julie. Jennifer. Jennifer, you're Jennifer right. Jennifer and Kent. And he's staying in their basement, and they've told him he can stay there as long as he wants, as long as he doesn't drink. And he's got a job. I can't remember now because he just... He got the job right away, but it wasn't something... I think he's working for a car dealer, but he's doing something. He's not selling cars. He's doing something with financing. I, I can't remember now what it is. But hmm. but he likes it. He's doing great. The last I heard from Jennifer, she was sending emails for a while to keep us all posted. But I haven't talked to him in a long time because when I call, of course, Emily lives down there now. She's in Cincinnati, so he likes to be close to her. And she moved in with her boyfriend. I wish they had gotten married, but they didn't. Yeah, because she's going to Xavier, isn't she? Um, I think she's finished there. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah, she finished. And they're living out, and it's a part of Cincinnati that I lived in, not too far away, when I was single before Dad and I got married. She lives out there in that area somewhere, but I don't. I don't. That's as much as I know. I don't hear from anybody about anything about her. I'd like to talk to Jeff, but he just—he's never there when I call. So he either isn't there or he doesn't, you know, want to talk to me. <laughs> so I get a lot of updates about Jerry and Jeff on Facebook, actually. Like what? Not not, not a lot. Just. No, Jeff posts a lot, just little, he posts a lot of funny little things. Yeah, he, he's he got a good sense of humor. And yeah, little jokes, and he'll post about um, Emily a lot, or there's a uh, feature on Facebook where you can kind of say where you are. So yeah. he's got a group of friends that they meet up at some pizza place. Mm. Like in, is it Mason? Are they in Mason, Ohio? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, so somewhere yeah, he is. That's that's where Jeff is. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's 
that's it. where John and Joanne live, and or uh, Jennifer and her husband. And Ken, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Do you see anything on there about um, Amy, Jerry's daughter? He doesn't post nearly as much. Um, I don't think he sees her because she's married, and I think she lives up in Cleveland, and she she doesn't contact him and hasn't for years and years. So. Yeah, I, I I don't see a whole lot. He usually uh, he just kind of likes photos and stuff I post. Mm. But uh, Jeff, every once in a while, will put some old photos up, It's kind of neat. Yeah, they probably have a bunch of that stuff. Yeah. Did you ever get anywhere with getting a, you said there was a photo album of of the family? Well, I I talked to Judy because she's the only one that knows anything, and I never can get a hold of the rest of them, but I had a note here when I was, before you called, let me look here what I, um, Judy said that she is 99% sure that my older brother John has that family photo album. But when I talked to John, he said the only thing he has of Dad's is old movie films, you know, when movie cameras came out. And there wouldn't be much there. But he said he doesn't have the album. So I still am not sure who has it. And Judy isn't either. But we know that it's around. Whoever's got it has probably packed it away somewhere, and they don't realize they have it. But there's not that many choices. I know I don't have it. And John knows he doesn't have it. And Judy knows she doesn't have it. So it's either got to be Joe, Jerry, or Jeff. And if they don't, Joe's not here. So, you know, he wouldn't have had it, I don't think. But Judy just, she wants to have a chance to talk to Jeff, you know, and see what else he can tell her. Yeah. We don't know right now where it is. I don't. The the uh, films that John has is that something that we could get? Well, you could probably get him if you wanted to call him. But uh, what Judy said is that they're that old kind of movie film. I don't. I guess I is there a way to change it to something else? Because yeah, you can. Uh, I mean, it'd take a little research, but in almost any old for- film format you could convert into digital, which could be kind of neat. Well, that would be the only way you could see them because there's no projector that anybody's still got. Yeah, I'd, um, you know, I could, especially out here in California, they have all kinds of ways to convert old film into digital. Yeah. The only thing that I would suggest, if you want a place to start, you could call John, and if he doesn't, if he's not 100% sure that he doesn't have any films, you could ask him who is most likely to have them. Okay. I mean, that's the only thing. And if he doesn't know, then we'll have to start calling around. But Judy said that she she doesn't know who's got it. Okay. Well, if you I'll could eat. i Judy again and see who would be the best person more most likely to know where it is. Okay. And if it's Jeff, you know, you may have to get an email address. I could 
I bet we could get a hold of Jennifer. You, uh, I can talk to Jeff. I mean, I can send Jeff a Facebook message and get a hold of him. Oh, you can? Yeah. Okay. Well, why don't you do that? Okay. And just and can you, me, you know, that you're trying to put together family history and, and you can't find anybody that can put their finger on the old uh, movie films that Grandpa took. Okay. Because we never took any. And I don't yeah. think John did either. Well, he might have, but I. But he doesn't have any of my dad's or our dad's pictures or films, you know, movie films. Yeah. But. Okay. Well, that's probably a pretty good stopping point. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've we've got through a lot. This is our wrapping up our fourth call. So we got four hours of interviews. I mean, it's. There's quite a bit of stuff in here, and I can take that and, you know, take me a little bit of time, probably a few months or a year to put it together into written form. Mm-hmm. And then... Well, uh, yeah, I, there's no hurry. I mean, you've yeah. got it. You've got the information now. But uh, maybe not this next week, because it's the Super Bowl, but the um, week after that is the... Valentine's Day the 14th. We'll do a, we can do a call then. Uh, and I'll, I'll set, Valentine's on Sunday? Yeah. We're going to try to do something on the on that Saturday. But I'll send no, you uh, some... I'm not anything, but um, I'm going to put it on this calendar. I'll send you some, some of those questions that I kind of go through, the bigger stuff. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, put, I'll just put a note on this calendar that I look at so I won't forget that you're going to call. Um, yeah, I'll have it on here. And I mean, if we go out for Valentine's Day, I, you know, it won't be anything <laughs> dramatic. <laughs> we might go out to get something deep, but if we do it, we'll probably do it on Saturday anyway. Okay. So I'll just put it on here. And if it changes, you know, if that doesn't work out for any reason, you can do like you've done. Just okay. move it out. And it'll work. Almost always here on Sunday night. We don't. Well, it's just, uh, well, especially now that football's over, Sundays are pretty free, and it's just a lot right. easier than during That's the week. That's what Jenny keeps saying. <laughs> <laughs> we went out to eat just a real close restaurant here because it was supposed to snow. I'm looking out here, but you know, we've got just the dusting, but it's supposed to snow three inches to six inches tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we went over and Mike met us there for dinner. He's getting ready a week from now to go um, on a business trip to Peru. Oh, that's right. I knew that was coming up. Mm-hmm. So he's he's excited in a way, but he's kind of not disappointed, but he was hoping to have more notice, you know, so oh. he could have planned a side trip and, you know, yeah, managed his work so that he could have stayed a little longer and traveled, but it came up. I don't know why or how, but yeah, he has to be back. So he'll be there for about a week. So anyway, well, I'll count on then the week after um, next. Yeah. And if, you know, if it changes, just let me know. Um, yeah, we might be, well, Steve's, you know, he's coming in Thursday with Megan, so. He'll be here oh, all this this coming weekend. Valentine's. 
No, this this coming Thursday. Oh, this coming Thursday. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that'll so, be good. Yeah. I haven't met her yet. We have not, no. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, it's good that you'll get a chance to meet her. Yeah. Any news on Nikki's situation? Yeah, she started working uh, earlier this week, and she's worked almost every day. She had to go in at 4 this morning. Oh, God. They're doing their uh, well. They're doing some sort of annual or semi-annual uh, inventory, and they oh, that makes sense. It. So it's been a lot of long hours, and but she's getting the hang of it, and she really likes. I'll have her tell you more about it, but she really likes it. Well, good. Yeah. Good deal. We started up our uh, fertility treatments again. Yeah, you said you were going to, and that means they're going to have more eggs to put aside. Yeah, so they're going to try to put more eggs aside. That'll be towards the end of this, uh, towards the end of February, and then kind of we get back into a place where they'll be transferring, which basically is, you know, one to three eggs, I think, a month until, you know, you get pregnant. How long is an egg fertile in, in a woman? Is it just like it would be if it was Mother Nature? I mean, is it just for a month? I don't understand the process that you're using. Um, so they, you know, basically she's taking medication that releases or I guess controls the growth of the eggs. And they and it kind of speeds it up a little bit. So they mm-hmm. make sure that the eggs get a real nice size from what we can tell. They, they basically get to a certain size. That's what the goal is with the medication. And then they go in and, and retrieve them. They're in these follicles. So they basically, you know, our appointments, they go in and they count how many follicles are there. And that basically indicates how many potential eggs there are. Not every follicle will have an egg, and some follicles have two eggs. Um, but that's, you know, we ha- we know X number of follicles. And then when they go in to retrieve them, that's when you kind of see, okay, I've you know, 16 or 18 or 14 follicles, we retrieve 10 eggs or 15 eggs or whatever, and then they freeze them, uh, cryogenically freeze them, for, and you can do that forever. Um, so that's what the first batch that we got back in December is, is freezing now. Mm. So this batch, we're going to, gen- I think this batch we're going to genetically screen, and then we'll, we'll take those into uh the transfer process, but they basically, once they have retrieved them, they they can biopsy them for the genetic screening and then freeze them. And then when you transfer them, they basically, they can thaw it, thaw it out and transfer it, you know, mm-hmm. within, day, within days. I mean, it's all, it's a machine, it's a factory. I mean, they don't, you know what they're doing every, you know, just a, a routine for them on how many people they have coming through there. Yeah, I can imagine. So, it's uh it's you know it'll be challenged this cycle because of you know her work schedule. Although our appointments are always at six thirty in the morning, mm. so it, it's kind of nice because we can get there. It's closer to downtown, so it's about I don't know probably ten fifteen miles from us. But you know the appointments at six thirty, so by the time we get there, we beat traffic mm-hmm. and we can get into work you know without missing too much work. And uh, that one's been that's been pretty easy. Yeah, well that's good. Mm-hmm. Well, sounds like you're staying with it. Yeah, we're just you know one one day at a time, just 
tries to even keel and not to get too excited or too down. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything's been real positive, and we really like our doctor. That's good. Yeah. Well, I know that there's a lot of women that, you know, go through that process and have success. So mm-hmm. no reason to think you can't. Yeah. I've still got you on the prayer list at church. <laughs> Every little bit helps. That's right. You never know. We'll give Nikki our best. I will. And then we'll talk again on Valentine's, or if that doesn't work, you can let me know. Okay. All right? All righty. All right, sweet. All right. Sweet boy. <laughs> All right. Love you, talk Mom. See you later. Yeah. Bye-bye.